Postscript. Response to some critics' objections. In these trying times, there have appeared some people, even among Muslims, who do not consider it necessary for their salvation to believe in the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and to follow in his footsteps. They deem it sufficient simply to believe in God as one, without partner, to enter paradise. And there are some who through utter fabrication and inequity, or out of their own misunderstanding, raise different kinds of unwarranted objections against me. Some of these appear to be intended to make people wary of this movement. There are still others who, on account of their disposition, are incapable of understanding the subtleties of faith. They are not evil by nature, but they lack intellectual depth or breadth of knowledge to enable them to deduce the truth of any matter. I have therefore thought it appropriate to dispel the doubts of all of them in this postscript. It was not incumbent upon me to pay attention to the removal of these doubts, because these absurd objections have been refuted in various places throughout many of my books. Nevertheless, in these days there is a man named Abdul Hakim Khan, an assistant surgeon in the state of Patiala, who was a member of my movement, but remained unaware and deprived of religious verities because of infrequent meetings and lack of association with me. He was afflicted with arrogance, gross ignorance, conceit, and ill-thinking. On account of his own ill-fortune, he left my community and has become an enemy of this movement. In an attempt to put out the light of God, he is trying, as far as it lies in his power, to blow toxic breaths into his foolish writings, to extinguish the candle which is lit by the hand of God. It was therefore considered appropriate to briefly answer some of his objections as a worthy of response to inform the public, because due to negligence and preoccupation with the world, it is rather difficult for ordinary people to find these answers from my book by searching them all. Firstly, the issue for which Abdul Hakim Khan has seceded from our Jamaat is worth noting. The issue is that it is his belief that to attain salvation in the hereafter it is not necessary to believe in the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Rather anyone who believes God to be one without partner shall attain salvation even if he rejects the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Obviously according to him one can attain salvation even after abandoning Islam and it is unjust to punish him for his apostasy. For instance, an individual named Abdul Ghafur recently became an apostate and joined the Arya Samaj and was renamed Dharam Pal and has been busy day and night in insulting and refuting the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Even he, according to Abdul Hakim Khan, shall go straight to paradise for the Arya's askew idol worship. However, every sensible person would realize that such a doctrine reduces the advent of prophets peace be upon them, to be an exercise in futility and fruitlessness. If one could still attain salvation through belief in God being one, even while refuting and opposing the prophets, peace be upon them, would this not perforce mean that the prophets were sent to the world in vain? Even without them, the task could be managed, and there was no great need for their advent? Footnote start. Were it true that those who reject the prophets, peace be upon them, and are their enemies, would manage to get salvation on account of their imaginary tawheed, then on the day of judgment, instead of those disbelievers, the prophets, peace be upon them, will be suffering a kind of torment, 
when they see their detractors and those who used to insult them seated on the thrones of heaven and like them being in a state of bliss, then ridiculing the prophets, alayhis These people might well remark, we rejected and insulted you, but what harm did that do to you? Then the stay in heaven would become bitter for the prophets. Footnote and Were it true that a mere affirmation of the oneness of God was enough, then by implication it would amount to a kind of shirk, association of partners with God, to require the addition of the words, Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. There is no God but Allah. The fact of the matter is that for those who think along these lines, it is variable shirk to pronounce Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. According to them, perfect tawheed, oneness of God, means that no other name should be joined with him. Also in their estimation, to be outside of the religion of Islam does not preclude salvation. For example, should all Muslims in a single day reject the prophethood of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and like misguided philosophers considered Tawheed alone to be sufficient for salvation, and imagine that they need not follow the Holy Quran, and the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and reject them. Even then, according to these people, all of them, despite being apostates, will attain salvation and without a doubt enter paradise. It is not hidden from even a person with minimal intellect that since the days of the companions may Allah be pleased with them, up to now, all sects of Islam agree that, indeed, the essence of Islam is that just as a person deems God to be one without partner and believes in his being, existence, and oneness, so it is obligatory upon him to believe in the prophethood of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Furthermore, he must believe in whatever is laid down and recorded in the Holy Quran. Indeed, this is the point that has been brought home to the Muslims since the very beginning. It was on account of their firm belief in it that the companions, may Allah be pleased with them, sacrificed their lives. Many sincere Muslims who had been captured by the disbelievers in the time of the Holy Prophet were repeatedly told that they would be released if they renounced the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. But they did not renounce him and laid down their lives in this very path. These things are so well known in the Chronicles of Islam that anyone who has even a minimum acquaintance with Islamic history would not disagree with this statement of mine. It should also be borne in mind that the wars of Islam were defensive in nature, that is, they were initiated by the disbelievers. The disbelievers of Arabia would not stop their attacks, lest the religion of Islam should spread throughout the Arabian Peninsula. The Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was enjoined to fight them in order to deliver the persecuted from the clutches of those pharaohs. But there is no doubt that, even then, so much bloodshed could have been averted if the disbelievers had been told that it was not incumbent upon them to believe in the prophethood of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. That belief in the Holy Prophet was not really a prerequisite for salvation. They may believe in their own way, in God to be the one without partner, even if they remain opposed and adversarial and inimical to the Holy Prophet, 
May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and that there was no need to acknowledge him as their chief and leader. In particular, what is the reason that the Jews, who acknowledge God to be one, without partner, were fought against? So much so that at times thousands of Jews were captured and killed in a single day. This clearly shows that if Tawheed alone was enough for salvation, then to needlessly fight against the Jews and kill them in thousands was an entirely unwarranted and unlawful act. If so, why did the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, do it? Did the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, not understand the teachings of the Holy Quran? A close study of all the scriptures revealed by God Almighty shows that all the prophets have admonished the same thing. Believe in God Almighty to be one without partner, and along with it, also believe in God's messengers. This is why the gist of Islamic teaching was taught to all of the Ummah in these two sentences. There is no God but Allah. Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. It should also be borne in mind that it is only the prophets, peace be on them, who demonstrate the existence of God and teach people that he is the one without partner. If these holy ones had not appeared in the world, it would have been an implausible and impossible matter to find the straight path with certainty. Though a person of pure nature and sound mind can by reflecting on the earth and heaven and observing their perfect and firm order conclude that there ought to be a creator of this work full of wisdom, but there is a great difference between the statement that there ought to be a creator and he really does exist. It is only the Prophet's peace beyond them who established through thousands of signs and miracles that the being who is transcendent and comprises all power does in fact exist. Indeed, by the degree of cognition that the need of a creator may be perceived by the observation of the universe is also a reflection of the rays of prophethood. Had there been no prophets, peace be upon them, no one would have achieved even this degree of cognition. This may be illustrated by an example. Though there is water below the surface of the earth, the presence and maintenance of that water depends upon the water that descends from the sky. When it so happens that there is no rainfall, the underground water dries up too, and when the rain descends from the sky, the underground water also begins to well up. In the same way with the advent of prophets, peace be upon them, the faculties of reason become sharp, and reason, with its subterranean water, advances in its status. And when there is a long hiatus in the appearance of prophets, the subterranean water of reason begins to decline and becomes polluted, and the world is steeped in idolatry, paganism, and every kind of vice. Thus, just as the eye possesses the faculty of sight, yet it needs the light of the sun to be able to see, in the same way human reason which resembles the eye is always in need of the sun of prophethood. And as soon as the sun disappears, reason immediately develops opacity and darkness. Can you see with the eye alone? Certainly not. Similarly, you cannot see anything without the light of prophethood. As the recognition of God has depended upon the recognition of a prophets since antiquity and the inception of the world, it is not plausible and possible to find Tawheed without the agency of a prophet. A prophet is the mirror to behold the countenance of God. The face of God is revealed through this very mirror. When God Almighty desires to reveal himself to the world, he raises a prophet, who is a manifestation of his powers in the world, and sends down his revelation upon him 
and manifests his powers of rububiyat, providence, through him. It is then that the world comes to know that God does exist. It is part of Tawheed, belief in the oneness of God, to believe in those individuals who have been appointed under the eternal law of God as the essential means for the recognition of God. Without this belief, Tawheed cannot become perfect, for it is not possible to achieve absolute Tawheed, which is created from the fountain of perfect certainty in the absence of heavenly signs and wonders manifesting the omnipotence of God, which are displayed by the prophets and which lead to full cognition. They alone are the group that points to God and through whom God, whose being is imperceptible beyond imperceptible, and hidden beyond hidden, and concealed beyond concealed, reveals himself. That hidden treasure, whose name is God, has always been known through the prophets, to realize without the agency of a prophet that Tawheed, which is estimated as true Tawheed by God himself, and demonstrated in reality perfectly in all its glorious colors, is as much opposed to reason as it is contrary to the experience of the seekers after God. The misconception that some ignorant people entertain, that Tawheed is enough for salvation, and it is not necessary to believe in a prophet, as if they seek to separate the soul from the body, is entirely due to the blindness of their hearts. It is obvious that whereas the true belief in the oneness of God can only be established through a prophet, and without him it is unimaginable and unattainable, it cannot possibly be attained without believing in a prophet. If a prophet who is the root of Tawheed is excluded from belief, how can Tawheed be sustained? A prophet alone is the cause of Tawheed and is the creator of Tawheed and the father of Tawheed and the fountainhead of Tawheed and the perfect manifestation of Tawheed. It is through him that the hidden countenance of God is manifested and it is realized that God exists. The fact of the matter is that on the one hand, the being of the one true God of glory is absolutely independent and self-sufficient. He is not in need of anyone becoming guided or going astray. On the other, by his nature, he desires that he should be known and people should benefit from his eternal mercy. Therefore, of all the hearts of earth's dwellers, he manifests himself to the heart, which is charged to the highest degree with the natural ability of attaining love and nearness to the Holy One and is endowed by nature with utmost sympathy for mankind, and God displays the light of his being and eternal attributes to it. In this manner, the person who possesses such a special and superior nature, who is called a prophet in other words, is drawn towards him. Then the prophet, because he is highly charged with sympathy for mankind, desires, through his spiritual inclination, supplication, and humility, that others too should know the God who has appeared to him so that they may attain salvation. He sincerely offers the sacrifice of his own self before God and out of the desire that people may be revived, accepts many deaths for himself and puts himself through the great hardships as is indicated in the verse, Will you grieve yourself to death because these disbelievers do not believe? Surah Ashura Chapter 26, verse 4. Thereupon, though God is self-sufficient and does not stand in need of his creatures, 
On account of the constant grief, sorrow, torment, and anguish, humility and humbleness, and extreme sincerity and purity of such a person, God manifests his countenance upon the eager hearts of his creatures through his signs. As a result of the commotion caused by the earnest supplications of such a person, which create a tumultuous uproar in heaven, divine signs descend upon the earth like rain, and extraordinary phenomena are shown to the people of the world, whereby the world gets to witness that God exists and the countenance of God is witnessed. Had that holy prophet not turned to God with so much supplication, entreaty, and earnestness, and had he not sacrificed himself, and had he not accepted a hundred deaths at every step, the countenance of the divine would have never been revealed upon the world, because God Almighty is absolutely independent, owing to his self-sufficiency. As he says, God as such is independent of the entire world, and... It is our law, indeed for those who strive after us and seek us with the utmost effort, that we do show them our way. Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 98. Surah Al-Kabud, chapter 29, verse 70. So the prophets are first and foremost in offering sacrifices in the cause of Allah. Everyone strives for himself, but prophets, peace be upon them, strive for others. People sleep, yet they stay awake for them. People laugh, yet they weep for them. They willingly bear every hardship for the deliverance of mankind. They do all this so that God Almighty may manifest himself so that it should be proved to people that God exists. And his existence and his tawheed may be clearly perceived by the eager heart so that they might attain salvation. Thus, they die in their sympathy for their mortal enemies, and when their agony reaches its peak, and heaven is filled with their tormented supplications, which are for the sake of the deliverance of mankind, then God Almighty exhibits the splendor of his countenance and manifests his existence and his tawheed to mankind through mighty signs. Thus, there is no doubt that the treasure of tawheed and godliness is attained by the world only from the mantle of the Prophet Without him, it can never be attained. The highest example in this regard was set by our Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, who uplifted a people out of the filth in which they were steeped and transported them to a garden. He served spiritual foods and sweet drinks par excellence to those who were languishing on the verge of death out of spiritual hunger and thirst. He transformed them from savages into human beings, and then from ordinary human beings to civilized people, and then from civilized human beings into perfect human beings, and exhibited so many signs for them that he manifested God to them, and brought about such a transformation in them that they began to shake hands with angels. None of the other prophets were able to demonstrate such an effect in their ummah, for their companions remained imperfect. Thus I always wonder what a sublime prophet this Arabian prophet is, whose name is Muhammad. Thousands upon thousands of blessings and peace be upon him. One cannot fathom the limit of his sublime status, and it is not given to man to estimate the extent of his spiritual effectiveness. Footnote start. How wonderful it is that even as the world nears its end, the rays of grace of this perfect prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, continues to shine incessantly.
If the word of God, the Holy Quran, had not precluded it, he would be the only prophet about whom we could assert that he is still alive with his mortal body in heaven because we find clear effects of his being alive. His religion is alive, one who follows him becomes alive, and one who discovers the living God through him. I have witnessed it that God loves him, his faith, and the one who loves him, and it should be borne in mind that he is indeed truly alive. His is the highest station in heaven, but it is not with the material body, which is mortal. Rather, it is with a different spiritual body, which is everlasting, that he is in heaven in the company of his all-powerful God. Footnote end. It is a pity that his rank has not been recognized as it should have been. He is the champion who restored to the world the Tawheed which had disappeared from the world. He loved God to the extreme and his soul melted to the extreme out of sympathy for mankind. Therefore God, who knew the secret of his heart, exalted him above all the prophets and all the first ones and the last ones and bestowed upon him all that he desired within his lifetime. It is he who is the fountainhead of every grace and anyone who claims any superiority without acknowledging his grace, is not a human being, but is the spawn of Satan, because he, the Holy Prophet ﷺ, has been bestowed the key to every exaltation, and he has been given the treasure house of every understanding. He who does not receive through him is deprived forever. I am nothing and possess nothing. What am I and what do I amount to? I would be ungrateful if I were not to confess that I have found true Tawheed through this very Prophet. I have attained the recognition of the living God through this same perfect Prophet and through his light, the honor of converse and communion with God, through which I behold his countenance, has been bestowed upon me through the same great Prophet. The rays from this sun of guidance fall upon me like sunshine and I continue to be illumined only so long as I am facing towards it. Those who adhere to the notion that one who does not believe in the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or turns apostate but remains firm in Tawheed and considers God to be one without any partner, will attain salvation and shall suffer no harm on account of his disbelief or apostasy as is the belief of Abdul Hakim Khan, are indeed ignorant of the true meaning of Tawheed. I have pointed out a number of times that even Satan as such considers God to be one without partner. But mere belief that he is one is not enough salvation. Rather, salvation depends on two things. One is the absolute conviction in the being and oneness of God Almighty. Second is that such perfect love for the one glorious God should be instilled in one's heart that, as a consequence of its influence and dominance, obedience to God Almighty should truly become the delight of one's heart, without which he could not live at all. Love for the divine should trample and obliterate love for all besides him. This is true Tawheed that can never be achieved except through following our Lord and Master, Hazrat Muhammad, May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Why can it not be achieved? The answer is that the being of God is unseen beyond the unseen, concealed beyond concealed, and extremely hidden. The reasoning faculty of humans cannot discover him on their own. No rational argument can constitute an incontrovertible proof of his existence, because the reach and access of reason is limited to the extent of realizing the need for a creator 
by reflecting upon the created beings in the universe. However, to acknowledge the need for his existence is one thing, but it is quite another to arrive at the stage of Ainul Yaqeen, certainty by sight, that God, the need for whose existence has been acknowledged, does indeed exist. However, since the methodology of reason is imperfect, incomplete, and doubtful, not every philosopher can recognize God through reason alone. Rather, most people who seek to discover God solely through reason become atheists in the end. Their reflections on the created things in the earth and heaven cannot benefit them all. They ridicule and mock God's elect, contending. There are thousands of things throughout the world whose existence we do not find useful, and our research in them does not indicate any such creativity that will prove the existence of a creator. On the contrary, the existence of these things is entirely pointless and useless. It is a pity that such ignorant people do not understand the lack of knowledge about something does not entail its non-existence. There are hundreds of thousands of such people in the world today who consider themselves superior intellectuals and philosophers, yet they vehemently deny the existence of God Almighty. It is obvious that if they had found any strong rational argument, they would not have denied the existence of God Almighty, nor would they have repudiated the existence of God Almighty with extreme shamelessness, disdain, and ridicule had they been proven wrong by an irrefutable rational argument for the existence of the glorious Maker. So no one can be delivered from the storm of doubts while sailing in the ark of the philosophers. Rather, he will certainly drown and will forever be deprived of the elixir of pure tohid.